from the Ephesian letter. I implore you then, I, a prisoner for the Lord's sake, as God has called you, live up to your calling. Be humble always, and gentle, and patient too, putting up with one another's failings in the spirit of love. Spare no effort to make fast with bonds of peace and unity which the Spirit gives. There is one body and one Spirit, just as there is one hope held out in God's call to you, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But each of us has been given a special gift, a peculiar share of the bounty of Christ. The gifts God gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, but peoples, by people's trickery, by the craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, for whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. The Word of God for the world. Last Sunday, in our time of exploration and conversation at Deeper, following the worship service, someone mentioned, um, for those of you who weren't here last Sunday, you don't remember, the title of the sermon came from directly from the Exodus text, from the, the those known as the complainers, who said to the, Moses, is the Lord among us or not? And this was their question asking where God was when they, at this juncture in time, didn't have water and they were very thirsty. And so in their complaining, they had this question, is the Lord among us or not? And so this was sort of the frame for last week's sermon, talking about is the Lord among us and those trials when we feel God's absence and, and pursuing that. And in that time of deeper in reflection last Sunday, somebody said, well, that was really good, but I really wanted to hear about, is the Lord among us or not as a congregation, as the body, not just in our individual lives, but as a body of Christ, is the Lord, Lord among us? I said, well, it's not too late for that. So just to let you know, come deeper. We, you know, Your topic could be on the slate for next week's sermon. <laughs> so we're going to explore that. I've invited three folks from our congregation to answer that question, and in particular, as you see in, the, in your worship guide, 
where is God at work among us in this church? God is among us. And I'm here to tell you three ways that I believe that I see God working at Providence Baptist Church. The first is when I see who comes here and why they come here. Over the years, I've heard a number of people tell their stories about how they came to find Providence and what it means to them. And these stories vary, but in most of the cases, the individual was experiencing a need and in searching for something to fill that need, whether it was a balm or stretch or fellowship, Providence Baptist Church appeared as the answer to that need. I think we could put it one way and say that Providence, that is the divine being whom we call God, led these people to Providence, that is Providence Baptist Church. And there's a corollary to the gift that, that the church brought to those people, a person, a couple, a family, and the corollary is, is that those individuals ended up being as great a gift to Providence as the church was to him, her, or them. For those of us who've been here a long time, when we think of this, this concept, we all say, well, that was Frank Gear. He came when he needed us, and we needed him, and he's a, a now deceased uh, member, was a member of this church. But there are many others as well, and, and when I think about this, I think of the Garrisons, the Chris, Alan Pace, the Mills, the Beasleys. All of these families can come to mind. And it may be that after this service, someone will stop me and say, well, why didn't you include whoever, fill in the blank? And if you do, I'll say, you know, you're right. But my little list here was just representative. There are others. God is leading, God is sending to Providence the people who need Providence and the people whom Providence needs. And so who comes here and why is the first way that I see God at work in this church. The second way is how we treat one another. And the first examples that come to my mind, if the the Lees and the Tates will let me use them as examples. When Sophia was born, it was obvious to Julie and Michael well, that we're going to have to have some kind of weekday care for this child. Julie's got to go to work. Michael's got to go to work. So who, who stepped up? Stephanie Wilmer. When uh, Brooke decided to go back to work, she needed care for her children. Lisa Obermill is taking care of her children. And all of us who've heard Lisa's side of this story know that she's receiving a big blessing there, too. Um, Joyce Faye-Myers stood in this pulpit a few weeks ago to tell us how grateful she and Charles were for the care that you all gave them during Charles's surgery and illness. At one of our women's lunch, Linda Crisp shared a very similar story about the care that her, her family received uh, when Dean had his heart surgery. Pat Griffin broke her wrist and couldn't drive. 
Howard Rowland was the one who got in the car and drove Pat and Dwayne to Winston-Salem for a doctor's appointment. The list goes on and on. Again, we can come up with a lot of other examples. And if we said right now, well, let's just take time. You know, you stand up and tell me what someone here's done for you. I think we'd have a lot of people speaking up. God is stirring us here to live out the principle. And I didn't know what song we were singing today, but he's stirring us to live out the principle. They'll know we are Christians by our love. And then finally, I see God with us in how we learn and how we share with one another. Recently, I read a very interesting essay about what Southern Baptists, former Southern Baptists believe, and then we could almost substitute that, what CBF church members believe. How do we define ourselves in terms of what we are rather than what we are not? The author developed this for quite some number of words and pages, and he sort of got to the bottom line, and his bottom line was, it's complicated. <laughs> but he, he did have a lot to say in that essay that resonated with me. And one of the points he made, he said he had heard in a TED talk, and that, I'm giving you a direct quote here from this TED talk, the problem with stereotypes is not that they are untrue, but that they are incomplete. And then the author himself went on to say, single stories are dangerous because they tell the truth but not all of it. And I find so often in my Sunday school class, if we're debating, well, is this concept correct or is this concept correct, I often want to say and frequently do, well, isn't it both and rather than either or? And sometimes people agree with me and sometimes they don't because I think if any of us have looked around, we know that we are here and here on the spectrums. Theologically and politically, we, we, we cover the gamut. So we have occasions when we disagree with one another. And when someone in my class disagrees with me, I can count on him or her speaking up to say so. And the recognition of this reality, that we have this freedom of, of agreement and disagreement, leads me back to another direct quote from that essay. And this may be the biggest point I want to make here today. What I believe is important, but it becomes much more important in community when what I believe is shaped and formed and challenged by what you believe. I see God working in Providence Baptist Church to provide a place where we worship, where we learn, where we share being shaped, formed, and challenged by each other in loving, caring community. One of the advantages I had about being first is that uh, you can present things that are new to the congregation. And uh, like you, I was struck by the words to the hymn that we last thing. They will know we are Christians. And uh, if you look at these words carefully, they exemplify what is going on in this church among and between each of us. 
Um, I've been uh, around Providence a little bit longer than uh, the other two speakers. And uh, maybe just to refresh some of your the younger members, both from a standpoint of physical age and age or the length of time you've been in this church, uh, we've seen God at work many times in providing for us. <clears throat> I wasn't a charter member, I'm not a charter member of this church, but I came when we first, the church first moved to this building. And uh, I can see God's hand in why we came here. This church has a history, it was a church of Christ when it was built. Then uh, uh, Wisconsin Senate Lutherans took it. Then they outgrew it and we were able to lease the building with an option to buy. Well, we started making inquiries to banks and uh, lending associations about loaning this church money. Well, you know, we were few in number. We had no credit history. But, and when we talked to banks, they didn't want anything to have anything to do with us. They'd come back with, well, you know, we, we'd say, well, you have a lien on, you'd have a lien on the church. They said, what would we look like if we foreclosed on a church? Well, as, it, as time went on and we, we kept racking our brains, uh, a lady in the church said, why don't we finance it ourselves? <laughs> what an idea. So we, we circulated a little questionnaire and uh, asked people what they might have in the way of available funds that would like, they would like to invest in uh, notes from the church. And of course, at that time, uh, Arnold was uh, uh, treasurer, I believe, wasn't that right, Arnold? And uh, lo and behold, I think we oversubscribed to the amount that we needed. And, and, and if that was not God at work, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm sadly mistaken. Um, then we, of course, we knew uh, before very long that uh, when we looked around at the congregation on Sunday mornings that most of us were maybe not my generation, but close to it. And we, we needed some young people. Bless her heart, Holly for a while was the only person we had here, the only young young person we had, and only child. Now this morning you look around, there were 12 children up here for the <coughs> children's sermon. So we had prayed for God, so it, it just proves the point that be careful what you pray for, because you might get it. <laughs> because this brought, brought with it the responsibility to accommodate these children, provide a place for them, provide the individuals to lead them on Sunday mornings. And uh, it, it, it's just been wonderful to me. I just, just get cold chills on Sunday morning when it comes time for the children's service that I see uh, all these young folks up here. And uh, I could go on and on reminiscing, but uh, 
I, I think you see where I'm going, and, and I think that not only have we seen an influx of people who are willing to work together, but people who, uh, despite their differences in politics, whatever, uh, we can disagree without being disagreeable. Pastor Julie, I'm taking off my watch. <laughs> she, she, she also said, don't run up, don't run up and down the aisles, you're going to scare people. <laughs> I was raised a Catholic, but I somehow some, have some charismatic in my DNA. Josh, but so, we like the, the question is, where is God in this church? Where do you find God at work in Providence Baptist Church? And I have a list, I have an unbelievable list, when Sophie was born. And the way this church came around us and, and made us food and, and Jerry Smith gave me guidance on being a dad and just folks talking to me was wonderful. The way in our Sunday school groups how there's this is not a church of conformity. We need to look like this. You need to be this. It is what is your story? Share your heart. Where are you? That is one way God is working here. In the group that goes to Gethsemane. And the many of you that go and organize the Life Center ministry that we are part of, as those that are poor and hungry or homeless walking through our streets, they're not, and excuse this horrible, disgusting word, bums. They are our neighbors, and they are our brothers and our sisters who we love and we break bread with. That is God at work. It's beautiful. This is a very, very, very special place. But the question that needs that, that, that I think we need to put our brain around is who is this God, right? Because if we're asking, is God in this church? How do we see God work in this church? Who is this God? Because if our God is this, pushing it, if, this, if our God is this, nationalistic God, this God that is for America only. There's no American flag up here. How could God be here? But we're a God that believes that God is here for all nations, all races, all cultures. What if it's a prosperity God? A God that is here just to make us real happy, talking like Joel Olstein, this is my Bible, it has what it says I have, I can do what it says I can do. <laughs> but we don't believe in a God that is a genie. We believe in a God that tells us to carry our cross. That's not about us. It's about the other, it's about our neighbor. Or maybe there are churches, maybe we've come from church backgrounds where our church tells us who our enemy is, who to hate, who to demonize. And if we go to a church like that, God is not in this church because we don't demonize people that are our enemies. We believe that God has come to save all and God loves all. So who is this God? If God is in this church and working in this church. In John chapter 14 verse 9, 
Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says, He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, the Bible says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. The God that we know providence. The God that we know is a loving God. And when I hear about this, tell me if I get this right, Mertis, the care, share, prayer chain, yes? Yes. This care, prayer, share chain is wonderful, right? No, okay. That's good. That is loving. That is something that can so easily become a, a, a gossip thing. But under the leadership of Mertis and Joanne, we are following the gospel. That is not a place for gospel. That is a place to care and to share and to pray. Our God is kind and our God is humble and our God serves. When we look at the life center, that's who our God is. And our God is of a worshiping God and by the music that happens by Robert and Annette and the prayers that happen from the many of you and our God is a justice-making God. There's a lot of pain in this world, a lot of hurting in this world. And that is the God that we follow in this church. And our God is a passionate God, and our God is a praying God. And if you've not come to our Wednesday night services once a month, this Wednesday, where it's a contemplative service, that is the essence of this church. Is God in this church? Yes. We listen to one another. We serve one another, we fight for justice, we pray, we worship, and that is why we call Providence home. We have a history from Bob Brown, we have the state of the church from Anne Green, but you all have your stories. The last piece and the last thought I want all of you to think about, it's not to answer the question, where do you find God at work in Providence Baptist Church, but the question is, where are you? working with God in this church. Some churches can be day spas. As I almost treated my wife this week, a day spa, you go in, you get massaged, you get the nice little rope, and then you leave, which sounds really, really nice. But that's not a church. A church is not a baseball field. A church is not a rock concert where you sit there and you hear some great preaching, you get some great music from Holly Obermiller and Lisa. A church is a family, and once in a while, you're going to rub up against family. You may have arguments with family, but you pray for them, and you forgive them. And you are on mission together, and as I say to Julie all the time, a church family is also like firemen. When everyone is running out of the building, we run in when the world is running out. And that's how they know we're Christians, by that love. A love that sacrifices, a love that gives, a love that hangs on the cross, opens the arms, and says, I love you that much. I'm going to give you everything. And that's why we love this beautiful place. So I'm so glad you're part of this family. I believe God has called you all here. And we get to bless one another. God is truly working in Providence Baptist Church.
during the reflect and respond time, I know we tend to be very quiet, but I invite you during this time to speak your truth, God's truth, in this time of reflect and respond.